This is Therapy For Us By Us, a podcast showcasing conversations centering black and brown voices in therapy and mental wellness from the lens of mental health practitioners. Truly a space created for us by us in an effort to build community and see ourselves reflected in wellness. I'm your host, Claudia Parada, a marriage and family therapist trainee, and I'm excited to connect with all you beautiful folks and your stories. Welcome. Hola, hola. Welcome to Therapy for Us by Us podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing with Yuritsi Gomez. Yuritsi she, her, Aya pronouns is an associate marriage and family therapist based in San Francisco Bay Area. Hey, and an immigrant from Michoacan, Mexico. She has experience in working in community mental health with both children and adults. Yuritsi has extensive experience working with the Latinx community and is working towards becoming specialized in trauma. She is currently working towards getting certified in EMDR, trained in polyvagal theory, and connecting to her indigenous lineages healing modalities. Yuritsi seeks to center the experiences and voices of marginalized groups in mental health. She also seeks to unpack and unlearn the conditioning that upholds systems of oppression in this country and the world. She is working so these learnings can support the necessary connection of social justice and mental health in a way that makes a meaningful impact for marginalized communities. Oh my goodness, so much there. I have so many like thoughts and questions already. Welcome, Yuritsi, to the show. I'm so excited to have you. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited as well. Oh, wow, this is great. So I don't know if um, y'all got to catch our Instagram live a few months ago, mm-hmm. but it's okay if I call you UD, right? I'm, yes, yeah. UD. Uh-huh. So UD and I actually were able to do an Instagram live together. And that's how I was like one of our first interactions. And so it's really like exciting for me to be able to bring you on now as, you know, and it's kind of like not necessarily a different frame, but different frame for me um, mm-hmm. now because we're talking about talking about therapy and stuff and your journey. So I'm excited to jump in with you. Yeah, I'm excited too. I think um, I, when you invited me, I was surprised like it, but in a good way, this is actually my first interview, like podcast interview. So. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah. I'm yeah. so glad that we can do it together. Yeah. No, it's definitely been a pleasure engaging with you. It was great to do the interview with you before, and I'm like having even more fun with you this time too. So it's been, it's been really nice. Mm-hmm. Same. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping, well, let's start with like, how are you? How are you doing? How are you feeling? Uh, well, I recently moved. So I, I moved apartments still here in the San Francisco Bay area, but a little bit closer to my folks to help. Mm. I have a little one, a 14 month old. And so uh, just busy getting the new home ready. And, and just what's nice is there's a little bit more space and uh, just planning on that and also planning for this upcoming year and the types of services and uh, therapy that I'll be offering to folks. And I'm really excited to talk more about that. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to hear about all, all of the different offerings that it is that you're going to be bringing and how that's like coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I hate moving. So just like, hate hats it. off to you. 
complicated. Um, and feel so grateful that you are wanting to meet with me amidst this like huge transition. Um, and fun fact, Yudi and I actually kind of almost became parents around the same time. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of cool. Like Very when close. we met, I didn't know that you had a little one. Mm-hmm. And then we were talking and I was like, oh, I'm with my little one. And you're like, oh, I have one too. <laughs> so that was, it's, that's funny. It's always funny. Yeah. But thank you so much again, yeah, for being here. Um, would it be okay if we start with sharing a little bit about your path, your journey? I usually like to open with that question so folks can get to know you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but really like what led you here to because not not only becoming a therapist but also like to your interests like mm-hmm. how did you become interested in these in these topics that we were reading about in your bio like EMDR and polyvagal theory and all the goodies for sure so I'm gonna take it way back just because I know that there might be folks listening that uh, didn't have such a linear path um, I feel like my career path is kind of all over the place but mm-hmm. all of the different spaces that I was in career-wise, I think helped me decide and really uh, become very, very comfortable and rooted in what I want to do right now. Mm -hmm. So back when I was applying to colleges, I actually uh, chose to major in economics because I actually wanted to be a financial advisor because during that time was the whole financial crisis. My family was going through some financial issues. And so I thought, well, I'm, I speak Spanish, I can support my family and other folks like them. Um, and that's kind of where, where my mind went. And first summer that I was there, I was part of a bridge program. I went to Mills College out in Oakland. Mm-hmm. And I was part of a summer bridge program for first generation college students. And we had to take a sociology class and that class blew my mind. Um, I did not realize that there was so much so many systemic um, inequities and specifically like around school, realizing that schools were set up for certain kids to succeed versus others. Mm-hmm. And uh, just in terms of opportunities for marginalized communities, especially uh, people of color, black folks, brown folks, um, folks in poverty. And so it just, it's almost like there was a blindfold that was removed from, from my eyes when, when I started learning about these things. And so I got really, really um, excited and like wanting to shift my major into law. So I actually wanted to become a lawyer and did all the things. And I kept econ because I actually was pretty good at it. And I yeah. also, <laughs> and I also uh, was, um, there was, you could major in econ. They're like, yeah, that's one of the majors that's okay to apply for in law school. So I was like, okay, great. And so when I actually went through the process of applying, um, it just didn't, the whole process itself was super grueling and was difficult and borderline traumatic (laughs) because I didn't do well on the LSAT, the whole application process. It was, I got denied to every school except one and you're talking about uh, going into grad school now right going into going into law school so I actually applied going into law, to law school, school. Got you. I okay. actually applied to law school and then so fast forward I decided not to go and kind of explore my options 
And I was kind of all over the place. I did some internships around like public in public policy um, agencies. I did some work in the finance industry and I kind of got, I really sat down with myself and asked like, what was the thing in college that really lit me up and really like I, I really enjoyed and was passionate about and it was around social justice. Yeah. And so I actually started connecting um, with one of the nonprofits in my area um, doing community-based organizing, specifically like faith-based. And so I became a volunteer and eventually became a staff there. And I was an organizer um, specifically around like education, housing, immigration. So it was like such an amazing experience, such a life-changing experience on many levels, because on the one hand, I was exposed to so much community and so much um, excitement around possibility and change from the ground, from the grassroots level. However, it was also super, super exhausting. Mm -hmm. uh, I was working 12 hour days and it just felt so disheartening by the end of it because when you would win a policy, then another one was coming in to replace it or depending right. on who was in power. And so Oof, yeah. um, that's also where, I, when I first had my first uh, panic attack mm. and when my mental health was like at its worst. Uh, and I decided that I needed to pivot. I needed to do something different. And two things kind of led me into doing therapy. One was when I was doing organizing in schools, one of the main, one of the main um, areas where, where parents were really advocating for um, in terms of funding and availability for their kids was around mental health. And so I started looking more into it, like what are certain types of um, mental health therapists or specialists that can go into the schools. And I started getting really interested in that. And also one of my favorite things when working with the community was actually being able to talk to them one-on-one -on -one and learn about their stories and just empathize and, and be there and hold like some of the difficulties that, that were going on in their lives. So I decided to take kind of like that jump because I, I didn't major in psychology. I didn't do any of that. Mm -hmm. And I did, and I took a jump and I was accepted into um, the only grad school program I applied to. <laughs> I was accepted out nice. in Cal State LA. Um, and I did, uh, they have a school-based family counseling program. So you actually get your, um, uh, your PPS, so pupil personnel credential to be a school counselor, if you'd like, in addition to um, getting everything you need to be an associate and getting, getting licensed to be a marriage and family therapist. And so in there, like I absolutely, I, I loved it so much. I knew that I was in my element. It felt so free flowing. It felt like I was home, like in terms of career wise, like I felt so comfortable there. However, I think my mind was so, or like, I was just so burnt out around like social justice, like the, the fights and, and, and the, the campaigns that I, I, I feel like I really turned my back. I know that sounds like really shitty, but like that's what it feels like on like causes and like doing like a lot of the on the ground work. And I always felt like a lot of shame around that. And in that, I think part of me also wanted to um, uphold this notion of like white supremacy in, in, the, in the way that like, I'm gonna stick to the models. I'm gonna stick to like what, what um, you know, the, the 
founders of psychology or all these like evidence-based people are saying and I wanted to be really good at that I wanted to be really good and um everything else was just noise right and so it got to the point where I graduated and I was working in like community mental health working for a nonprofit, working for like low income folks and it was like I couldn't, I couldn't just, it wasn't, it didn't feel natural to just stick to therapy because I saw all of the injustices they were facing, the homelessness, the immigration challenges, um, different um, poverty issues, opportunities, and lack of opportunities. And I was like, the I can't go on just focus on the individual and focus on what is going on in their mental health without addressing, without supporting, without advocating, without having skin in the game for like changing these systemic injustices because those are what's actually affecting more of their mental health than just the dynamics between their kids or like, you know, whatever's going on with, um, with their spouses. And so um I really and especially with like all of the uprisings this past year that came up I really I think dug deep and and tried to merge the two like how could I take with take what I've learned in terms of like theory in terms of like um things like that regarding mental health and then bring in the social justice lens that I've loved and that I've really uh been passionate about and all it was that during that time is was burnout like I was scared to go back into it because I didn't know how to do it and so it's kind of like reclaiming and repurposing that space for myself and bringing in what I can and and being um being an asset to to the different movements to the different change we want to see in this in our country in this world in the way that fills me in a way that brings me joy in a way that I can can pour from a full cup versus an empty one. Mm. And Amen. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, I'm really excited to, to dive or to create spaces focused on like equity, focused on looking at the bigger picture along with what's going on with folks individually. Um, I work with a lot, um, primarily like women identifying um, Latinx folks um that are like just starting their career or a little older I do work with some uh, men identifying folk like just a couple but I really I really really enjoy working with um those that have done checked all the boxes right done everything what they were supposed to do mm-hmm. to be quote-unquote successful yet something is missing or something is off with they don't feel fulfilled. They don't, they're still struggling with anxiety, depression, or um, something's, yeah, something's off. So I really like helping and getting them connected to um, just what is it that they actually want to push out all the noise that society and culture has us believing of ourselves, in addition to being a voice for their community uh, and also connecting to their lineages, connecting to where they came from. 
And so that's also something that I'm working on too and connecting more with my lineages and, and their form of, um, of therapy or of healing. And mm-hmm. I was, I think I mentioned to you when we spoke prepping for this, that EMDR, it reminds me, or like, I think about EMDR as being, I don't think that it was quote unquote discovered in the eighties. I think this can we actually for the audience, for the folks who aren't therapists who are listening, can we say really quick what EMDR is? Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Thank you. So um, it stands for eye movement, uh, desensitizing and reprocessing. And basically um, uh, Maxine Shapiro is credited for uh, discovering the, this modality or creating it, this process, um, where basically if you engage both sides of the body, so for example, if you move your eyes from one side to the other, as you're thinking about a traumatic event, um, and go through the process that she created, um, with a trained therapist, then it actually helps in processing that trauma memory and putting or um, storing it in a part of your brain where it actually isn't as um, uh, stressful or doesn't affect you as much. Uh, so when I thought about, or when I heard about uh, the bilateral stimulation, which is engaging both sides of your body, I thought, and, and I was actually taught to, actually, to use your body as well. So it's not just eye movement, but you can mm-hmm. also tap on your shoulders or do marching and, and even like, um, even sound from one ear to the other, Mm -hmm. as long as you're engaging both sides of the body, it it does work. And I thought about how, especially like tribal communities and have been doing this for millennia. (laughs) So thinking about like, this has already been done. Um, but it hasn't been recognized, you know, as, as that, um, as like the, like EMDR, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, like the first thing that came to my mind, like not even, so for folks listening, we didn't go into details, like in our prep conversation, like we didn't go into any details about like, I think what actual modalities came up for me, but I was just thinking drumming, shakers, dancing, like the danzante is like right. absolutely moving different parts of the body. Um, like in, in that type of, um, well, I was actually thinking like acid dancers, but, um, I'm sure there's other forms of dance as well that are just like able to do that. So that, I mean, that in and of itself, like that's not discovered in the eighties, <laughs> right? <Exactly. laughs> that wasn't discovered in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So interesting. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about it, but I will say a lot of my grad school experience was me comparing, contrasting, I think I've said this to you before, <laughs> me comparing and contrasting like, oh, I've heard this before, but now I'm paying for somebody to teach it to me. Okay. <laughs> right. Like, but my, our folks have been doing that, this healing work um, for generations. So anyway, that's my, that's my frame. So I hear that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you go back to a minute and talk a little bit about, um, or a lot if you want, about the burnout and then when you were able to like step into a different possibility around that as I um I know you mentioned it a bit and you were like I was really trying to uphold um 
what I experienced, and so I know this wasn't, these weren't your words, but like what I experienced is like the right way to do therapy, like right. the most valid way to do therapy, the most That's valid right. way to do work. Like for me, it's like being a productive worker, being efficient, um, especially when it's like under the, under the uh, guise, if you will, of like working for a community, like being of service. That's right. Um, so when were you able to then maybe... I don't know what the process was like, but recognize like something needs to change. And then actually like, cause for me, mm-hmm. I knew for a long time that something needed to change, but I just didn't know that that was possible. Like, I was like, this is all there is. Like, I don't have any other options. Like I, we have to work. So I don't know how to work without just being tired all the time. So like, when were you able to like step out of that and then see that there could be potentially something else? Mm-hmm. So when I was experiencing burnout, when I was a community organizer, that was just extreme. Like that was like 12 hour week, six days a week, you know, 12 hour days, six days a week. And so when I became, when I was in grad school, actually, I kind of continued that rhythm. Like I kind of, I would go into work like at eight and then I would go to the gym, I would go do my do my practicum, I would then go to class in the evening. So I just kept continuing that cycle because I think my nervous system was so used to just going, 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 going. That's another big thing. When we are so used to going, going, um, it the, nothing else really makes sense. And it came to a halt when I was actually pregnant and my body was literally like, you're not doing anything. <laughs> like, uh-uh, you're- no, you're not going to keep going. <laughs> and I fell into like this depression mm. because I felt so unproductive. I felt so bad about not being able to achieve, not being able to do certain things. And it was, it was really, really, really hard. And even like postpartum, like that whole from like maybe the second or third month of being pregnant to maybe like the fourth or fifth month postpartum, there was so much shame and so much, so much um, feeling like I wasn't doing enough when making a human being is enough, is more than enough. And so I was really forced to just sit and like be still, like I was forced to do that in my, in my, um, as like being pregnant and, and being a new mother. And so when I decided to go back to work, um, I started part-time, but doing therapy, especially doing community-based mental health, I was seeing still about 14, 14 to 16 clients a week. Oh my Lord, that is a lot of clients. That's a lot. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Me in grad school would have been like, oh, easy but no it's a lot because you're you're talking about people who are have gone through so much trauma who are going who are moderate or severe in terms of like their mental health diagnoses so it's a lot of emotional and a lot of mental work in in supporting these clients and so I then I I realized I cannot do this like I can't Mm. I can't continue to do this and be well. And then I realized that there has to be like this, we have to believe just as 
we are imagining like a new world in terms of like systemic change and like what it could look like. Like when we think about like defunding the police, when we think about dismantling like all these different systems, we we have to imagine that for ourselves too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, and so I thought about like, what would an ideal week look like for me? Okay. And are there models out there? Are there people out there that are, that are doing this already? Are there, um, um, is there a way that I can still be supportive of community and offering um, mental health services, but in a way that's not so taxing and not so overwhelming? And so that's where like the creativity, that's where like community comes in and like helping you to imagine and that you're worthy of imagining something different. Because when the way that we're, this country and, and society is set up is like, no, this is just the way it is. It's like, no, it's not. Like, mm-hmm. and especially with, with, with um, the internet and just so many opportunities and, and different, level, different modes of accessibility for folks like there is so you can get really creative and so right. using tapping into the imagination and leaning on community and trusting that you do deserve something more and you deserve that rest and that, mm-hmm. that feeling of fulfillment and um opposite of burnout whatever that is yeah maybe wholeness, well-being, health. That's right. Yeah. I think what comes up for me too, is like when I'm hearing you, like when I'm hearing what you're saying, like I remember in undergrad reading Freddie and then um, just the part around dialogue and how that um, the, the term is conscientizado, but I mean, I don't know how to translate that, but like how that changes the way that we imagine things is through dialogue. And it, completely turned everything on its head for me because they're just thinking the way that I've been socialized I'll own it like the way that I've been socialized has always been you got to do things alone you got to like show your worth you got to work really hard and be an individual and even and even when I know that that's not true it still comes up because that's the structures that we live in so when I heard this piece about dialogue and reimagining I was like oh my gosh, like, I don't have to um, imagine this by myself. Like, cause I have a lot of, um, like I previously and continue to, of course, like have a lot of anxieties of like, how could this be possible? And then remembering like when I check in with my community members, like, oh, there's actually models that are out there that have sustained themselves mm-hmm. um, outside of what we know as normal. That's like right. I can have wellness and mm-hmm. um, well-being and wholeness and like be able to do what it is that I want to do. And like hearing you say that is like, that's reawakened in me too. So even in this dialogue as well. Um, yeah. And I love that you're talking about imagination and um, I'm not sure if you said dreaming, but that was also a word that came up for me. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about like that creative what has come out of this like creativity that you've that uh that you've like what is it called flourished (laughs) that has flourished from this um from this time period like what's Mm -hmm. what's coming up for you like tell us tell us the tea like what's up 
<laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm imagining it in in different uh, different offerings, different spaces for different um, spaces. Yeah, different spaces where people can come in. So one is obviously I'm going to continue providing therapy. I think that is something super valuable, and there is there is there a, a special connection with in the therapeutic relationship mm-hmm. that can help support folks in in healing trauma, especially like very heavy. I am gonna do a little bit less of that eventually, um, but I do still I still find that super rewarding, and I want to continue to do that. So I'm really close to getting um, my my license. I'm probably we have to get about three thousand hours after we graduate to get um, licensed to be a, a therapist in California, a marriage and family therapist. And so I'm super close. And all right, because that's not easy for y'all. For those who don't know, that's mm-hmm. no walk in the park. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was a lot. Yeah. So I'm still going to be doing that. I'm also going to be offering um, offering different um, spaces, whether it's group or like individual, more like coaching style, and even maybe doing like some Patreon or maybe uh, and even free like spaces. So like just mm-hmm. a different a variety of of offerings, and so people can get it, get the support that they need. Mm-hmm. So um, accessible, exactly. different types of services. Yeah, yeah, different types of services. And specifically, I, I want to work with um, women identifying, like uh, women of color specifically, mm-hmm. and supporting them on their journey because we are taught, especially those that have done everything that they've checked all the boxes, they've done everything they needed mm-hmm. to do, gone to school or got that job or making a certain income or um got married you know all these different things however there's still some something missing or there's still something that's not fulfilling there's still something that um doesn't sit well with and and causes like some some mental health issues such as like anxiety depression or even just this this feeling of of not being able to decide for yourself or not being able to to advocate or just um, live the life that you deserve to live. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm getting, I'm preparing like a group program to help like dismantle, like let's dismantle. Yeah, I was just imagining like tease apart, like what's fine, what doesn't belong to me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, dismantle all of this conditioning, all of the things that you think you need in order to be happy and really um, creating for yourself that life that you need, that, that for you is needed to um, feel fulfilled and feel um, at peace and, and feel just good, overall good and, and, and enjoying life. Because I think we also, we're so conditioned to be in this rat race and go, 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 go. And like this lack mentality, like if I don't do this then I won't mm-hmm. get this. And so, or like, I need this to then do this. Right, exactly, exactly. So enjoying the moment, enjoying what you have, um, whether that's uh, things or even your body, right? Loving your body where it's at, where you are at mentally, where you, all these, so creating all these space, creating these spaces. So that way um, 
people can feel fulfilled where they are and in love with themselves and where they are in the current moment. Because if we're constantly chasing something outside of ourselves, that there's never going to be fulfillment, or maybe it'll be for a short period of time, but it's not going to, it's not going to stick. And yeah. so go ahead. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I'm planning. And, and there's just like a different array of things. I'm also into like really into um, honing in and embracing embodying our rage so like really getting to know things. I saw that you did a workshop on that that was so cool yeah. I was I'm like, really yeah. excited about that I'm still going to continue that because I was taught not to mm-hmm. um, show my rage that mm-hmm. that was unladylike that um, that caused problems however mm-hmm. rage is so wise mm-hmm. and the more that we connect, the more that we are comfortable with our rage and our anger as it comes up, the more we actually are able to identify our needs and identify like um, ways to protect ourselves and like our, our values. So mm-hmm. I'm still going to continue doing, be continuing yes. doing that. Uh, and um, yeah, it's just as I tease it out more, I mean, more like different, different layers. I, I think when I was creating this or like creating this, these different offerings, it's like, what would, what do I need now? And what did I need like years before? Yeah. And I was feeling so lost and unaware of, um, why did I, why did I feel the need to keep working? Why did I feel the need to fill all of my hours doing things? Like what, why? And like really sitting and being okay with, um, that discomfort and, yeah, that's one that comes up a lot, I think, in these conversations, or it's really one of the words that it is that you and that came up for us is being like being resourced or getting support in him, embracing the discomfort. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's hard. It is. It's so hard. And that's why it's important to do it in community. Yes. We don't have to do it alone. Mm-hmm. 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 Because you see that you're not alone. You see that it's not just you that's uncomfortable. There's so many people that are struggling with it. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I do want, like that I feel so excited about your work and um, like want to reflect and just scream from the mountaintops. It's like, why it's so important is because like we are thinking about dismantling and teasing apart these like structures that have really like, they can be quite violent and limiting um, to our wholeness. Right. And so creating spaces then for, um, for folks, especially for folks that look like us, um, that are like, well, I'm, I did all the things and now I'm not fulfilled is a direct disruption. It is a direct disruption to white supremacy culture Yeah, because we're no longer putting ourselves in that box. We're asking, we're doing the inquiry, the discomfort and the tough work of mm-hmm. saying, well, what do I want then? If it's not these things, then what is it that I want? Yes. And that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's, well, that's, that's what's so amazing about the work that is, I mean, that's what I also love about this work too, but like, that's, what's amazing about those offerings, because that space is like a direct resistance to like a direct, a direct disruption of, so I, we are going to have, um, for in the show notes, we'll do a link to you, um, and how folks can find you, um, and all the exciting, lovely things that it is that you're going to be offering that's right and most likely during the time this will be released um i'll be opening enrollment to a group group program 
Yes, I love it. This is so exciting. I feel so inspired by you. Thank you. And all these like creative offerings. I love it. Um, any last words before we wrap up? Um, I guess just the appreciation that you are bringing in so many different voices in the therapy space um, to show that you can do this work in a creative way. You can do this work um, based on like what you value, based on what you care about and still, you know, get compensated and feel fulfilled and um, build community, which is super important. Yeah, I really appreciate you bringing those points in and everything that it is that you shared. Absolutely in, in agreement and in alignment with that as well. Like there's so many, what is the thing? So many different ways to skin a cat. So many different ways to peel an orange. <laughs> um, but absolutely. And like when we come together, we can really, we can really change stuff. Um, so I like, I'm always reveling in that uh, reminder. Like when, when we get together, when um, folks are having conversations, I'm like, wow, how much is possible when we begin to dream together. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much for being on. I appreciate your time and energy and all your shares. Of course. Thank you so much, Claudia. So if you want to connect with Yudi, the link will be in the show notes. Um, that is the end of our episode today. We hope you enjoyed. Um, take really good care. And until next time, bye. Thank you for listening to Therapy For Us By Us podcast. If you love what we're doing, leave us a review on iTunes or keep the conversation going by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. Look forward to connecting with you next time. And until then, take care.